Can we give it up for Rachel? She did a phenomenal job. And it's always interesting when you have to pull an audible, but she is phenomenal. Um, I love doing Imagos, but um, she does them way better than I do. That's for, that's for sure. So good morning. My name's Ryan. Um, I'm glad you're all here. I hope you had a great snow day last week. Um, I'm a house church pastor here at uh, Church Project, and before we get going, I want to encourage you, if you don't attend a house church, you should really consider attending a house church. On Sunday mornings, we really just scratch the surface of what God has for us, and the house church provides an opportunity for us to go way deeper and for things to be a little more personalized uh, for what's going on in your life, and you can get encouragement and prayer and all that kind of stuff. So go to House Church. Um, we started putting our notes on the Version Bible app, so if you use your phone or a tablet or iPad or whatever, and you want to follow along, the notes are on there. Here's a little pro tip, though, that I learned. If uh, you want to save those notes, click the Save button, and then you can have access to those notes uh, during House Church. But if you don't click Save... They're gone. They go off into the interwebs. So uh, make sure and do that. This morning I want to talk to you about camp. I even wore my, my camp hoodie. Um, this past weekend was Young Life Winter Camp, and I asked Krista, who's the director of Young Life, to uh, just share something about camp uh, with us. And and she's at a training this weekend, so she couldn't be here today. But she wrote me something, and I just want to read it for you. And this is from Krista about camp. It says, Camp is the best week of your life because camp was made to reflect the kingdom of heaven. The beauty, the adventure, the fullness, the freedom, the laughter, the family, and the abundant, extravagant goodness are all designed to point to our God. Camp is a place to taste and see that the Lord is good, and it is a place where the life and the light of Christ collide with death and darkness and defeat them for good. Camp is a place where something from heaven touches earth, where gladness and joy overtake you, and sorrow and sighing flee away. Camp is a place where kids from all walks of life come face to face with their creator, and hear of his great love for them. And that is definitely true. Uh, Young Life does camp better than anybody. Um, I work for Youth for Christ, and we're rival gangs to Young Life. Um, But they do camp way better than anybody else. They have the best food, the best programs, the best games, the rooms, the accommodations, next-level stuff. They do camp best, period. They do it so well that Youth for Christ, instead of doing camp ourselves, we use their properties and their staff and do camp with Young Life rather than trying to reinvent it. We can't do it better than Young Life. Trina and I, my wife Trina and I, went to uh, Young Life camp uh, in, um, well, I would say it was North Carolina, but it wasn't. And it wasn't South Carolina. It was literally the camp 
is on the border, so half the camp is in North Carolina and half the camp is in South Carolina. And let me just take a minute to tell you how amazing it is. They have a laundry service. They have bags on your bed that you put your laundry in, and then these laundry fairies come during the day, and they take your laundry, and they wash it, and then they fold it, and they put it back on your bed for you. They have a chef. They have a chef at a camp, and he makes phenomenal food, unbelievable food. Um, they have a zip line at this camp that's a mile long, a mile long zip line, and it is super fun. You go, I'm a bigger guy, so the bigger you are, the faster you go. Um, you go about 70 miles an hour on one part of this. Trina, she's much smaller than me. She didn't make it to the end. She didn't have enough momentum, so they had to like walk about, I don't know, an eighth of a mile and give, take a pull and kind of pull her into the end. But I didn't marry her for her zipline skills. Um, <clears throat> let's see, what else? They have a fireworks display, a legit like 4th of July fireworks display. And it's kind of funny, this camp, since it's in North Carolina and South Carolina, um, I'm not sure which one, but in one of the Carolinas, fireworks are banned. And so they just moved the fireworks display to the other side of camp, and it's apparently legal, even though you're uh, 20 feet away from the border. Um, <clears throat> they have a pool that's in the shape of a cross, and this prevents teenage boys from lusting after teenage girls because they're constantly reminded of Christ's sacrifice. <laughs> and it works. Every time. Not only that, but they share the gospel in a way that relates to kids and gives them an opportunity to respond uh, to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. And so, I say all this to tell you that you should be very proud of yourself. Because when you give to Church Project, a portion of the money that you give goes to help send kids to camp. So last weekend, there was a group of kids that went from northern Colorado to Young Life Camp, and they heard about Jesus Christ. And some of them heard about Jesus Christ in a way that they've never heard it before. And they had an opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so you deserve a hand for helping introduce Jesus to kids. <clears throat> Did you ever go to summer camp? Some of you, yeah. I went to a camp called Camp Idrahaji. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, so here's the deal. When I was in seventh grade, I really wanted a Nintendo. This is kind of making me old. Original, 8-bit, old school. <laughs> you know Nintendo? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. And uh, so I'd been saving up. I had a paper route, and I saved up money to buy a Nintendo. But my mom thought it would be better if I went to camp. And so I used my Nintendo money to go to camp. I'm super glad that I did. I didn't get a Nintendo, though, until I was in college um, so there was a, a lot of football in the front yard, not sitting in front of the TV in those years, but uh, I went to Camp Idrahaji. I always thought that Idrahaji was like an Indian Native American term. It just, 
it means camp, I'd rather have Jesus. And I was a little disappointed when I found that out, but it's all right. Um, I went to teepee camp, and teepee camp is this thing when you're in middle school. Brittany, you worked at Hydra Haji? Yeah. Yeah, so teepee camp, it's like you, a leader, and seven or eight other boys, middle school boys, and you all sleep in a teepee. Um, And it's pretty exciting. And every morning we made a campfire, and we cooked this thing called teepee toast. And uh, you didn't know that you are going to get a recipe when you came to church today, but I'm going to give you the recipe for teepee toast. So what you do is you take a piece of white bread. It needs to be like Wonder Bread, something very soft. You fold it in half. You take a bite out of the fold, and you unfold it. So you have a piece of bread with a hole in the middle of it. Then you take a pat of butter, and you put it in a skillet and put that over the fire. And you put your bread on the butter, and you crack an egg in the hole, and you let it cook, and boom, you've got teepee toast. So you can try that at home now. Um, And it's the breakfast of campers, I guess. It's pretty amazing. I love going to camp for a lot of reasons. My favorite, probably when I was younger, was Camp Girlfriends. Anybody relate? Come on now. Come on, guys. So the first day of camp is scoping out the girls and scoping out the competition. You don't want to sleep on the competition. You got to know what you're up against. Days two through four, those were spent trying to get the nerve to make a move. I don't miss the awkwardness of being a middle schooler around the opposite sex. That's for sure. Day five was spent trying to implement your plan. How was I going to get her attention? Here's a pro tip, guys. Throwing a dodgeball at the face of the girl that you're trying to impress is not the best route to hand-holding, okay? Day six is spent trying to get her address so you can go home and never write her a letter. And that's usually how camp went for me. But I love camp. I think camp is awesome. For many of us, it was the very first time that we were away from our parents for an extended period of time. It was a time of personal growth, spiritual growth, emotional growth. And I'm sure that some of you today have some camp memories. If you didn't go to camp, I'm sorry. But you could probably volunteer at Young Life Camp and get a glimpse of uh, what camp is, what makes camp so amazing. So I like camp so much that after I graduated from Dayspring, I graduated from Dayspring, they'll take anybody. Um, <laughs> when I graduated from Dayspring, I went and I worked at Camp Adrahaji for a summer. I didn't know that Brittany did that until last week. Um, and it was so great. I got to tell you that seeing how, this, how the sausage is made makes me appreciate camp even more. Even today, I think very highly of camp. For the last 10 or so years, I volunteered a week of my summer to go work at uh, Youth for Christ camp because it continues to change my life. And one thing that makes camp, I think, so compelling is that you get the opportunity to become a different person. You're going to a place where nobody knows you, and you can be whomever you want to be. 
all the things that normally make you weird or different or special, all the things that make you a winner, all the things that make you a loser, all those things don't matter when you get to camp because nobody knows about the time that you sat in chocolate pudding in the school cafeteria. Nobody knows about the time that you asked the cute girl out and she totally rejected you in front of all your friends. Nobody knows about the time that you missed the winning layup in, layup in the game. Nobody knows about all the hardships in your life. Whenever I take kids to camp, I tell them that this week is the week that may change their life because you get a clean slate. You get a week where nobody knows you, nobody's judging you, nobody knows what you're like in real life, so you get to become someone new. If you want to explore what God might want you to be, camp is the week to do that. How much would you love a chance to reinvent yourself? Do you ever feel like you're just stuck? What I mean is, do you ever believe that because of your circumstances, maybe your upbringing, maybe your family, maybe some mistakes that you've made, your education, that you're stuck believing a certain way, seeing the world through predetermined eyes? You continue to do and say the same things the same way because that's just who you are. How can we ever be expected to change? There's so many things that are pressing us into these little boxes. Can we really be different? Can we really start over? Can we have a clean slate? The Israelites in the Bible, they were plagued with this issue. For thousands of years, they had God on lock. He was their God, and everything that they did revolved around him. Other people had other gods, but no one else had their God. Everything about the Israelites was predetermined because of their relationship with God. What they ate, how they dressed, how they worked, how they entertained, how they worshipped, nearly every aspect of their lives revolved around God. This was their faith, but it was also their race, it was also their identity. They were stuck on the inside. There's another group of people, they're called Gentiles, and this is anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile, and Gentiles had a similar problem in a different way. They were heathens no matter what they did. They were locked out. No matter what they did, what they uh, accomplished, they were outsiders, and they were always stuck on the outside. So in Acts, we read about this groundbreaking change. God is ushering in a change, a new way of life, a better way of life, a new covenant. But this new covenant is not a secret. God told the Israelites years before to prepare for a change. So we learn about this change in Jeremiah, and uh, Jeremiah is prophesying uh, about this change that's going to happen. And it says in Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34, Behold... The days are coming, declares the Lord, when we will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that, they made, that we made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, 
For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his brother and teach his neighbor, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. So it's easy to read these verses and think that Jeremiah is writing specifically about the Israelites. It says, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and they will be, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This prophecy is not just for the Israelites. The Israelites already had the law, and it was already written on their hearts. Jeremiah is speaking about someone else. This new covenant is Jesus Christ, who came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. The law shall be written on their hearts by the finger of the Spirit, as formerly it was written on tablets of stone. God writes this new covenant and opens the door for outsiders. This is a new covenant. This is a new change. The old covenant was for the Israelites, and this new covenant is for everyone, Jew and Gentile. So then, we're in Acts now. In Acts chapter 11, we're going to look at chapter 11, verses 17 and 18. So we see this uh, prophecy coming to fruition here in Acts. Uh, I'm not sure what page it is in the Blue Bible, but um, it's kind of towards the backish, <laughs> the middle back. Is that a real thing? Um, but to set this all up, I, I want to give just a little bit of backstory. So we have this guy, his name's Peter, Simon Peter. Um, he's a Jewish follower of Jesus, and he's a disciple. And he meets with this man named Cornelius. Cornelius, who is a Gentile. And Simon Peter goes to Cornelius' house, and he has dinner with him, and he talks to Cornelius about Jesus. And you can read about that in Acts 10. In Acts 11, Peter has to go um, before other Jewish people and kind of explain what he was thinking by going to Cornelius' house. This is important because Simon Peter broke the law by going to Cornelius's house and having dinner, eating with Cornelius. It was against the law for a Jewish person to hang out with a Gentile. And so Peter has to defend himself here in Acts chapter 11. So you can read about that in the first part of Acts 11, but in verses 17 and 18, we read Peter's justifying statement. So let's read this Together, it says in Acts 11, 17 and 18. So, if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, even to the Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. So this is Peter defending why he went to Cornelius' house. And he says that 
God gave them the same gifts, the Gentiles the same gift that they received when they believed in Jesus Christ. And he even says, so who was I to stand in God's way? These verses speak to the Jews and to the Gentiles at the same time in slightly different ways. First of all, God's speaking to the Israelites. He's saying, you no, you no longer have this God thing on lock. It's not about you and Israel and God anymore. This is open to everybody. God kicked the rust off the gates and opened the gates wide for everybody to enter into the kingdom of heaven. He made salvation available to all the Gentiles. And in these verses, we read this other thing that happens, and this other door is being opened to the Gentiles, um, and what it is saying is, you're no longer outsiders. Welcome home. You have the opportunity now to have a relationship with God. It says, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's from Jeremiah 31 again. God has set this into motion. This is part of his grand story that he's been unfolding, and he's opening up the door to heaven to everybody. But here's the rub. As this was unfolding, the people, both sets of peoples, the Jews and the Gentiles, both have a choice to make. They're at a crossroads. They can either continue to live life the way that they've always lived life and continue down that same road because that's the way it's always been, or they can make a change in their life. Just like a camper on the first day of camp, they have an opportunity to be something new, to start a new life. Just like a camper, the Israelites and the Gentiles have a choice. Are they going to keep living the way they always have, confined to the boxes that held them captive for years, or they can wipe the slate clean and become what God is designing them to be? Today, right here, 2,000 plus years uh, removed from when this was written, we're in Greeley, Colorado, and you're faced with a similar choice. You're at a crossroads as well. Are you going to continue to be the person that God, or continue to be the person that you want to be, or are you going to try to be the person that God wants you to be? You're at a crossroads where you get the opportunity to be something new. You may be a Christian, and you've lived your entire life like you have the market cornered on God. You may be like the Israelites walking around like you have all the answers. Well, you don't. You haven't gotten God figured out. I haven't gotten God figured out. All of us are on a journey. There's still lots to learn. There's still a lot of change that needs to happen in our lives. And it's time to ask ourselves, who do you want to be? Who does God want you to be? On the other hand, you may be like the Gentiles. You may relate a little bit more to the Gentiles than to the Jews. 
You may have never entered into a relationship with God before, and you're holding back. You may think, well, I've done a lot of stuff in my life, and I don't know if I can be forgiven. Or maybe you think, well, my parents didn't raise me that way. Or I'm having a pretty decent life as it is. I don't know. But I want you to ask yourself, how's that working out for you? Are you as happy and satisfied as you'd like to be? How's life treating you? Do you have all the answers? So what's holding you back? A new day is dawning. Wherever you find yourself today, it's the first day of camp. You get to be whoever you want to be. You have an opportunity for God to transform you into the person that he created you to be. And I can promise you, whatever you decide, it's up to you. But God is waiting. He's got the doors open. He's made this available to you today. Whether you've been a Christian all your life or whether this is a new concept to you, you get to be whoever you want to be today. Welcome to camp. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your son Jesus who came uh, to this earth, who lived a perfect life, who died a horrific death, but rose again, conquered death, offered us salvation, offered us a new covenant, a new way of life, an opportunity to start over. God, thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for wiping the slate clean. Father God, as we are sitting here in this room in Dayspring Christian Academy in Greeley, Colorado, God, I just pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears and our hearts to see you, to see the person that you would like us to be. God, we thank you for an opportunity for freshness and a newness. And God, I just pray over all of us that you would make us something new. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.